Hello, and welcome to Success Stories. I'm Kendra Hall, Chief Storytelling Officer at Success Magazine, and this is the podcast where we sit down with the brightest stars and the boldest thought leaders as they share their stories so you can create your own success story. This conversation you're about to hear, when we wrapped up and I went about my day, I just felt different. I'd been in a funk. Uh, I'd been telling myself stories about what my limits were, what I could and couldn't do with my life based on what I'd done so far. And there was one phrase about luck, of all things, that just shifted my whole perspective. This is the perfect story if you've ever limited yourself, intentionally or not. A great exercise in considering what is really possible. Today's success story is Sunny Hostin. Sunny Hostin is an Emmy-nominated co-host of ABC's long-running daytime talk series, The View, and an Emmy-winning senior legal correspondent and analyst for ABC News, who has covered such flashpoint sagas as the cases against George Zimmerman and Casey Anthony, the Bill Cosby sexual assault trial, and more. Born and raised in the South Bronx, Hostin overcame adversity and became the first in her family to attend college and later became a trial attorney for the U.S. Department of Justice. She's now a married mother of two with a book out this fall, her memoir entitled, I Am These Truths. Sunny, welcome to Success. I'm so excited to hear your stories. I am so excited to be here. Thank you so much that that uh, for that kind introduction. I'm like, is who is she talking about? <laughs> Isn't that well? And that, I, I think that's always right because we don't sometimes. You know, we're just you're just living your life, and then you hear your life read back to you. I imagine it is. It, it takes a moment too, it and does. I. I wanted actually to start, oh, and, and just for reference, I am recording this in my apartment in yes. Manhattan, so <laughs> so I'm a fellow New Yorker. You're a fellow um, shelter-in-placer. Yes, that was, <laughs> we were, do you, and I should say to our listeners, we're recording this in June. We are still in the midst of a pandemic, and I was telling um, the team earlier as we were getting on this call, I said, a woman reached out to me and said, oh, your hair looks so much lighter. Did you get low lights? And I said, no, I can't get my but she was from no. Texas where they opened Souter. It's a, it's a whole thing. But Sunny, I wanted to start at the beginning, actually. Um, you grew up in South Bronx like this. Mm-hmm. I, I want to start your story there. Can you can you tell us about those really early days? And did you know when you were a little girl that this is the kind of introduction that be, would be read before you came into an interview? Oh, gosh. No. I You know, when you grow up the way that I did, which and I've been very public about it, you know, I grew up in the projects. I grew up um, in the South Bronx um, in, in public housing. And I don't know that you dare to dream. Um, mm. like that when you grow up that way. And I, I did have um, the support of, of parents that are just remarkable and incredible and who sacrificed, I think, their dreams to make sure that I could um, dream. But, you know, they were teenagers. And so we were sort of like the three musketeers. I'm an only child. And they were, you know, 17 and 18 when, when my mom got pregnant and, and they got married at 18 and 19. Um, and it was, it was tough. I mean, I remember the days where, you know, 
I took a bath in the kitchen sink because we, we did not have a proper uh, bathtub. Um, you know, there were days when we didn't have enough food to eat. There were days when we didn't have um, heat and hot water. Um, and I remember those struggles. But so, so did I ever think that I'd be a federal prosecutor or writing a, a memoir or, or being a, a national talk show host? No, I, I didn't. Um, but I knew that I wanted change. I knew I wanted to be somebody. Mm. Um, after I saw my, my uncle stabbed and I, I just, I do remember always loving uh, to read because I, I read fantasy. I, I still read a lot of fantasy books. Okay. Um, and it was sort of a getaway for me. Mm. And um, I remember even that day I had, you know, probably the Lion, the Witch and the Wardrobe under, mm. under my, my um, arm. And I saw all this violence happen in front of me. And I, I remember to this day thinking, this is not going to be my life. I'm, I'm not going to do this. I, I just need to have a better life. And that sort of has always pushed me. I wanted a better life, but I always also wanted to make a better life for other people. You know, mm -hmm. like it just doesn't have to be that hard. It doesn't have to be that way. There are so many people that don't have a voice. They don't feel like they can dream. And I've tried very hard to um, live a life of example, yeah. so to speak. Not, not a life of uh, a role model, but more of uh, a life of example and one of aspiration. Like if I could do it, you can too. Yeah. And that kind of, that, I guess that kind of sums it up. <laughs> so, I mean, it, and I, um, as I was getting ready for this, you know, I get to like, and then of course I get more and more excited as I learn more about you. And of course, one of the first stops I had to make was your Ted talk oh. and, um, and yeah, and you, and you talked about being that six-year-old, you talked about being that six-year-old girl. And one of the things you, you said then, and I would love to, I wanted to hear more of your thoughts here mm -hmm. because this is a podcast all about success stories and the success audience is, is looking to find their own definitions of mm -hmm. success and, and maybe create futures for themselves that don't necessarily aren't, you know, immediately reflections of where they, they came from. And in that Ted talk, you said, um, that people can be tethered to that opening story, like where they started, where they came from. And, and I, I wanted to hear a little bit more about, do you remember as, as you, you had that incident with your, your uncle, you knew then you wanted something different. Do you remember other stops on your journey in those early days, in those early years, when you untether, started to untether yourself from that story? Yeah, I, I do. You know, I write about it a lot in, in my book, um, I Am These Truths, in that it was just a series of things. And when I gave the TED Talk, I started thinking about it because I do think that people become tethered by their day one. You know, Mark Twain, you know, is famous for, for saying, you know, you, the, the, the most important day is when you find out um, why you are here. And I just, I don't necessarily believe that. I, I think the most important day is when you find out like who you won't be, who you won't be and, and, and what you're, what you're really meant to do. Um, and I realized my journey 
um, after my uncle, we moved. We moved to Manhattan. Um, my parents are an interracial couple. My mom is uh, Puerto Rican and Jewish, and, and my dad is African-American. And they couldn't get housing anywhere when they went together. So she went on, on, her, on her own. Her name is Rosa Beza, Rosa Beza. Um, and she changed it to Rose Cummings um, because she, she looks a lot like you, actually. So she's, you know, like fair haired, yeah. fair skinned. And um, she got this great apartment, actually, in Manhattan. <laughs> and then we showed up. And I, it was just a different life for me. Um, it wasn't very diverse. But mm. I thought, my gosh, you know, people are walking around. There's Central Park and these beautiful trees. And <laughs> uh, you can leave your bike outside and no one's going to steal it. It was, it was like pretty incredible. And that was a, a very different thing for me. It was a, I was also in a much better school. Um, I was immediately challenged. Um, I, I wasn't so much of a distraction in my others, my previous school. It just wasn't as good. And I was skipped a grade at that school and I was bored and I was a little mischievous, quite frankly. And really? Into a little trouble, you know, always asking for the bathroom pass and, you know, just, I think kids that are under undervalued and um, not taught to their level sometimes become mischievous. Uh -huh. And um, I, I got into, I was in a better school, better environment, and I liked it. And, and that kind of exposure was different. All of a sudden we were able to go to the Met. All of a sudden we're, we're able to go to these museums and I'm, I'm seeing a different world. So exposure was very good for me. It was very different for me. And I think it was that move from the Bronx to Manhattan, where I'm now I'm going to children's museums and I'm seeing all these things um, where I realized, you know, I started in one place and I'm always going to be thankful for the people that I met and my beginnings. Um, but I'm also going to um, be thankful for the exposure and knowing that I can speak up for those people that don't have my opportunity and I can be thankful for the opportunity that I have. And I, I, I think that's a, that's a big thing um, in terms of success. People should not forget where they came from and certainly should never forget that there are those that can be just as successful. They just need the helping hand, mm -hmm. right? They just, they just need that little bit of, aspiration they just need to know that it's possible um and and i will never forget that you know i, I had along my way i had teachers that were telling me this is possible i had uh, mentors that were showing me wow this is another type of lifestyle um and i i am forever grateful for that and i try to be that voice for yeah. other other people like you really can do it well, and I, I think about, you know, what, you know, the, the hardships, but you've said over and over and I just, now I want to go back and like, look at, <laughs> find, find pictures of your, find pictures of your parents and know more about your parents, but that blessing to have parents that are like, okay, this is what, who were, who were so, um, deliberate and yeah. also, and, but not everybody, not everybody has that. And so how yeah. can you be that for, be that, and not necessarily role model. And that's something that I want to ask you about as mm -hmm. well, but be that mentor, be that, that, um, 
that inspiration of what is possible. So let me, I have another um, question you mentioned, and I love this analogy because I, I, it reminded me when you, in that, in that, uh, the two most important days that Mark Twain talk about, and then you mm-hmm. say there's actually a day kind of in the middle of those two things is when you mentioned that, where it's the person you are not going to be. And you yeah. mentioned a, um, air hockey game. And I've always, <laughs> you know how you're like, and you're getting I love like, air hockey. <laughs> so I've always pictured a pinball game, you know, that pinball where you like, oh, yes. pull the thing back. And then there's all these levers that like whap you, whap the ball around of like, nope, this isn't for you. And nope, this isn't for you. And nope, this isn't for you. Can you tell us? And I think that's like you say, it's not necessarily going from point A to point B. There's a there's some other points in there. Can you tell us a few a few of those stories where you were told or you realized like, nope, this isn't for me. Nope, this isn't for me. Nope, this isn't for me. Not necessarily when you were younger, but in your career as a as a whole. Kendra, I've had so many of them. <laughs> yeah. You know, I um I, I knew early on that I wanted like you to be a storyteller. Mm. Um and just kind of use my experience to somehow help others. I didn't really know how to do that, but I used to watch Barbara Walters like everyone else. And I would play in the mirror with the microphone and, you know, this is 2020 and that kind of thing. And um, my mom freaked out and she's like, there's no one that looks like you on television. You're going to be homeless. We've worked so hard. Oh my God, you're so smart. And um, you should go to law school. And I realize now that that was her dream. You know, apparently she had taken the LSATs and everything. So it was a dream of my mom. She she ended up going to college and it took her eight years to get her degree part-time, first at a community college and then um, at Adelphi University. But she wanted to be a lawyer. So she sort of pushed that on me and I thought, I'll be a lawyer. And I loved law school. I got a scholarship. It was great. But the way, the way a lot of people make a lot of money is, you know, they go to these law firms. And I got offers from everywhere uh, because I was a pretty good student. I hated working at law firms. Hated it, hated it, hated it. And it was just, I was good at it, but the prize for being good at it was like more pie. And I don't like pie. Right. So you just get a bigger piece of the pie. Like you become a partner and now you get a full pie. But if you don't like pie, it just it's no good for you. And everyone always thought I was so crazy because here I am, this kid who grew up poor. Now I have the opportunity to make six figures. And I didn't like it. Mm -hmm. And it was really difficult because I was able to pay off bills. I was able to help my family members. And I would literally look up in the morning and think, oh my God, I have to go do this. And I, I just really don't think that's a good way to live. No. Um, but I know so many people have to do it, right? Because they have their family to support and that kind of thing. Um, I, I didn't at the time, so I was very lucky. I decided that I, I wanted to be a prosecutor, you know? I wanted to, I, I wanted to practice criminal law. And those are the areas that you don't make any money. You know, so I took a very big pay cut. Um, I had to change where I was living. Um, and I, but I did it. And I got to tell you, I enjoyed every single day of that job. I felt like I was making a difference. I felt like I was living a dream. Um, mm. I felt like I was able to 
you know, prosecutor is the most important person in that courtroom. People think it's the judge, people, it's not, it's the prosecutor because you get to determine who gets charged with a crime or not. Yeah. So people talk about, uh, you know, black people get incarcerated at five times the rate of white people. Well, that's a prosecutor's decision. And I, you know, I didn't practice that way. I, I thought people should get a second chance if there's a, a kid, um, you know, caught with marijuana. I, I thought that they should go to a drug diversion program instead of going to jail. So nice. I, I enjoyed that work. I really enjoyed that job. And I also prosecuted sex crimes, child sex mm -hmm. crimes. So I knew I was doing good work, but I wasn't making a lot of money. I'll tell you that. Yeah. Um, I ate a lot of ramen noodles. Uh, but, you know, and, and that was just, it, it, it was a, a, a lot to, um, as a poor kid, to give up that money. But my father always told me that when you are good at what you do, and you're passionate about what you do, you will feel like you've never worked a day in your life. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I realized that in my career, if I am waking up in the morning not wanting to go to work, and it feels like work, I probably need to do something else. And you're after a while, I did leave the, the government more because, not because I didn't like the work, but because I became a mom. Mm -hmm. And I made the decision to stay at home with, with my son. Um, because after pros prosecuting child sex crimes, I didn't trust anybody with it. Right. Right. So right. That <laughs> yeah. But that was a big crossroads. And then the, the, I would say the next crossroads for me was I, because at that point, my husband, um, wanted to start his own practice mm. because he didn't like his job. And I decided to go back to a law firm which is the craziest thing in the world because I oh, hate love. Yeah. Fun. I want to hear about that because <laughs> one of the, I, what, what, tell me about the day you made that decision. Well, you know, I, I see this guy who had been supporting us um, and was fine with me staying home through my paranoia of not wanting anyone yeah. to look after this boy. Yeah. And uh, he was pretty miserable too. And he didn't like the work he was doing. He's an orthopedic surgeon, but he was, he was uh, working at a hospital and he just, he, he wasn't working the way he wanted to work. My husband likes to do a lot of uh, what I call pro bono work. He, he mm. takes on patients that don't have uh, health insurance. Yeah. He operates on people when it wasn't in vogue. He operated on people that were HIV positive. Um, mm. He did a lot of things that he went on medical missions to Haiti after the earthquake. So he, he, he practiced and he's a Johns Hopkins, you know, trained doctor. So he wanted to work in a different way and he wanted to start his own practice so that he could do that kind of work. And the only way we could do that is if I made the type of money I made at a law firm. Wow. So I decided that I could probably find a law firm that I really liked. Yeah. Which was nonsense. But I <laughs> thought that, you know, I could try it for his happiness because I think that's important in life if you have a partnership. Um, and I decided to try that. It really didn't work out for me because I was very miserable. Again, I realized I was very miserable and it's just not good for me. Um, I don't do well practicing law for the highest bidder. Right. Um, I'm definitely more of a public servant. 
but I did it for a couple of years. Yeah. Well, that's what your family, that's, that's what, and I do think, especially when you're in a partnership, I, I, I feel like this is an important part of success for those people who, who are in relationships, who, who do have partners or spouses, and you're, you're, you're both trying to pursue your best self. Sometimes that does mean, uh, taking turns, exactly what you, exactly what you did there. And I think it's important for people to hear that, you know, but you know, one thing I will say that I did in the back of my mind, I still had that storyteller in me and I started writing Mm. on the side. I always had the side gig, to be honest with you, always had the side gig, took a writing course. Um, and actually the person that I took the writing course with is the agent that, uh, is the agent for my book. <laughs> really? Yes. Oh, see, so it all comes around. It, it all always, comes yeah. Around. So I started writing, um, and the book that I started writing there is the fiction book that comes out next summer. So I, I had my hand in it. You know, I had these dreams that I, I always fed. Mm-hmm. I really think it's important to feed the side hustle. I, yeah. I, you, you do what you need to do to make ends meet, and that's important, but you have to diversify. You have to feed the side hustle. I think multiple income streams, very important, mm-hmm. if at all possible. And I think owning content and being a creator, uh, a creator for yourself and ownership is really important, and I always knew that. Mm. Um, and so I, I always kind of had that on the side. And then I was lucky that a couple of years later, my husband knew how bored I was and aggravated. And I said, I want to try this. I want to either write or do television. I'm a jur- I had a journalism major in college. I want to do this. And he said, well, my practice is doing really well now. Let's trade off again. Yeah. And if you want to try CNN and you want to try Court TV and, you know, I can hold it together. And now it's your turn. So it it has been that real partnership, but all the while, I kind of always kept a side hustle. Even on The View, I have side hustles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah well, Maybe I'm still the kid from the Bronx, but I, I do do that. I know. Well, you've got, and that was something, you know, you have your memoir coming out, which is an entirely different kind of writing than writing a novel series, if yeah. I remember correctly, <laughs> like a, a fiction. And then, of course, you have The View. Now, there is one moment in that that I read about um, somewhere, and I want I want to hear from you because, of course, you're doing this. You're practicing at the law firm again, and then, but at some point, there was a moment where, like, because you don't go from a law firm to suddenly being on TV, right? No. So what? How? How did that happen? Like, what sure. was, do you remember that day? Like, how did this, I want to know personally. I want to know how that happened. <laughs> <laughs> I remember it very well. I was, you know, I was writing on the side. I would watch cable news all the time. I was one of those that like would scream at the television. Oh, why did you say this? Oh my gosh, you're, you're burying the lead. Are you kidding me? You know, that kind of, that kind of thing. I realized that they had a lot of lawyers on air talking about things, but without real practical experience um, and, and not a real depth of experience. Right. 
And um, I knew that I needed a change. I just didn't know what that change would be. And I actually decided to be proactive. And I went to a meeting of the um, of the local National Bar Association, which is an association for African-American attorneys, but it's also for career development and that kind of thing. Okay. It was a really rainy day. Um, I got my aunt to watch my baby. Mm-hmm. And I went at this point, I believe I had my, yeah, I had, a, I had my daughter by that, by that time. So my aunt was watching two babies and my daughter was very young. I think Paloma, who just came in and, and interrupted our interview, <laughs> I, she's 14 now. I, I, I think she was maybe just, she was an infant at the time. And um, I went to this meeting and everyone was just sort of talking about work-life balance and things that they needed. And I, you know, got up and started speaking and I was just like, this is nonsense. Nobody really has work-life balance. You pretend like you have work-life balance, Mm -hmm. but people really make choices. You prioritize things. It's not ever a balance. It's you're, you're prioritizing things, you know, and I was just sort of making an argument as lawyers do. Right. And uh, afterwards, someone came up to me and she said, you know, you should be on television. And I said, uh, yeah, from your lips to God's ears. <laughs> um, I'm a journal. I, you know, I, I thought I, I would be a journalist, but um, my mom thought that uh, I didn't look that much like Barbara Walters. So I don't think that's something that's ever going to happen for me. But I, I certainly write on the side and that kind of thing. And she happened to be a producer for Court TV. And her name was Stephanie Thompson. And she said, oh, and I also told her, I didn't think I'd get plucked from obscurity. And she said, well, I think you have been plucked because here's my card. And um, if you have a headshot or a resume, because that was back in the day, you know, mm-hmm. yeah. she said, if you have a headshot, I'd love to submit it to some of the folks. And I basically, literally, I think it was the next day, I went and got a headshot mm-hmm. um, and I typed up a resume. I stuck it to the back of it. And I sent it to her by snail mail. I either sent it to her or walked it over. Mm-hmm. And I was on television with Jack Ford probably a week later, two weeks later. And it felt like home. It felt comfortable. It felt like I was in a courtroom. I was not nervous. Um, and afterwards he told me, he said, you're going to have a long career in this. And I, and Jack and I are still friends. And I said, are you serious? And he said, yeah, you know, I, I just, you, you will be doing this for a long time. And I did core TV for a while. And then, um, Bill O'Reilly saw me on that. And I went over to Fox news, Mm -hmm. little known fact. And I did Fox for about a year. And then um, the head of talent for CNN saw me on the O'Reilly Factor and then offered me a a contract. And so from Stephanie Thompson to CNN, it was maybe a year. And I've been in the television business since then. So it's not a normal story, but... It was, I was sort of ready for the opportunity when it happened. Mm-hmm. I was ready for a change. And my husband was able to say, because my first television contract was probably, uh, Kendra, I think maybe a fifth of what I was making at a, at a firm. Okay. Probably a fifth, mm-hmm. if, if that. Mm-hmm. And 
he said, okay, we try it, you know, and he, he even said, I can, I can pay the mortgage because now we're living in a fancy house, you know, like now, right. now we've got two kids, we've got a fancy house. I'm, yep. supporting, I'm supporting my family members and, and cousins yes. and yes. that kind of stuff. And uh, he said, I can probably pay the bills for three years. So let's see how it goes. And actually my first, my first contract at CNN was not renewed, which mm-hmm. was, which was a tough that's a tough thing to happen. You know, it's just, yeah. that's the, that's the way it goes. And, but I was rehired at court TV. So it, I lucked out, but yeah. that kind of, you know, it's, it, there've been bumps in the road for me. Yeah. Many, many, but I'm still here. I, so here's something, as you were talking, I, and you said, it's not a typical story. I, I want to know from you, how you feel about like the relationship between luck and success or, you know, like there's, because you said something interesting that like, it seems like just, oh, oh, wow, I can't believe that, you know, from her lips to God's ears and she actually is the plucker. Like she's the one that can like pull you like, and you just happen to be but did you just happen to be like you'd been working? And so can you, um, yeah, can you talk a little bit of, I would love to hear what your thoughts are on. Yeah. On you that. know, I, I've, um, I used to say it was luck because I feel like there are so many talented people out there. I, I feel like they're just these talented people that just never get the shot. Yeah. And that, you know, anyone can do what I do. I, 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 there is a, I have a sense of that because I feel like so many people are denied opportunity in our country. Yes. Um, but I, I, I had this conversation um, with a couple of famous people, actually. Um, and someone said to me, it's not, your career is not the result of luck. It's more the result of preparation meeting opportunity. Mm-hmm. And you were given that opportunity. So yes, I showed up. Uh, I met a producer at an event, but I showed up at the event mm-hmm. and I was looking for an opportunity. And that's the only reason why I went to the event. Yep. Um, and then when she said, you've been plucked, I followed up and I went the next day. Yeah. And, and got a headshot. I got a headshot. And that's- I mean, I was, I had a, an infant. I didn't look great. But I went and I did it, you know? And so I think it's, it's less about luck and more about seizing opportunities and creating opportunities for yourself and making sure that you follow through on it. Mm -hmm. Um, The only luck I would say is that um, I definitely sees it when it happens. You know, I, I try to put myself in those situations to make those things happen. So I, I I do think it's less about luck. I don't believe that anymore. Um, I don't think it's just chance. I, I, I don't think anyone that's successful would leave anything to chance. Um, I'm, I'm pretty intense and focused and, um, I don't leave anything to chance. I realize Mm -hmm. that about myself now. Mm-hmm. Well, and not only that, but 
like you, you very well could have come home, you know, gone, you, you went to the, you went to that event, you mm-hmm. met her, you, you did the headshot thing, you got the contract, but you could have brought that contract home in between you and your, your husband, you and your partner said, Oh, that's a fifth. There, there's another, you then yeah. chose to say, we'll make it, we're going to make it work on it. We're going to take the chance and make it work on a fifth of the, you know, there, there are other two. And I believed in myself, quite frankly, I said, well, they're offering me a fifth right now, but I will show them that I'm worth more than that. Yeah. And I did eventually, it took a while um, for me to make the kind of money that I made at, uh, in a law firm practice that I didn't even like anyway, Mm -hmm. but um, my passion and purpose met my financial goals eventually, mm-hmm. but it, it took a while, you know, but I still don't feel like I go to work every day, which is, which was my ultimate goal. And I feel like so many people do measure or do define success, um, in monetary terms. Mm-hmm. And so, and you know, you made that decision early on. I'm making this money. I want to be a prosecutor instead. So let me ask you. What's what, easy to do when you don't grow up with any money? Uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little easier to do because I, I know what it's like not to have any and I was happy then. So I, I guess maybe it's a little easier for someone like me. That oh, makes sense. It does. Yeah. 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 Um, oh, I heard a, okay, we're good. Yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> okay. Um, I, I want to know in this whole expanse of your career and all of the incredible things that you have done, all of the incredible things that you are in the process of doing. And I am quite confident, especially now with all of the incredible work that you will be called to do uh, going forward. Sunny, what is one of your proudest moments? And it could be one that you wouldn't necessarily expect, right? Like maybe it was even just a conversation in an elevator or, you know, like it wasn't some, or maybe it was a really a big moment, but a moment that you look back on and you thought to yourself, yeah, this is, this is, this is what I dreamed of. Hmm. You know, um, I've had so many spectacular moments in my career, um, both in the courtroom. I mean, I've, I received one of the highest awards you can receive at the Justice Department from Janet Reno. Um, I've been to the White House. Mm. Um, I've met presidents. Um, I have three Emmys. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've gone to award shows, I presented at award shows, but I mean, I work with Whoopi Goldberg every day, right? I know. <laughs> so I, you know, I've, I've had tremendous success, but I will say my proudest moment was probably recently when I see the success of my kids. Like to be able to provide for them the kind of life that I dreamed of providing for them is pretty 
stunning to me. I don't think I, w- I mean, my, my, both of my kids go to the type of school that I would never have imagined for myself mm. um, growing up. And it's like this beautiful school on this sprawling campus, you know, uh, this high school that they go to. And my, my son has a 4.0 GPA and he's going to Harvard in the fall. Wow. Like I would have, and when he, you know, was online getting the acceptances, I mean, he just got, just kept on getting accepted and accepted and accepted. And just to see his happiness and the wonder. And I would say that was my proudest moment that they have this future that I could not have dreamed of for myself, but they have, you know, I've been able to provide that for them. And it, it's, it makes me incredibly proud. Um, if, if I don't get another job, if I get fired tomorrow, that is true success for me. That is um, generational success. Mm-hmm. And I think generational success is more important than individual success any day, anytime, anyhow. Amen to that. Uh, I'm just realizing now, so you have a senior in in the pandemic. I'm so sorry. No prom, no graduation. Oh my gosh, this is this is a side. How how are how how is he doing? Is it just I have a second and third grader, so it's very different. Well, you know my my daughter uh, graduated from eighth grade, and so mm-hmm. she didn't have her step up uh, ceremony either. And then, of course, um, my son Gabriel um, won't have his prom or graduation and that sort of thing. Although they're saying now maybe he'll have one in August or January. You know, I think they're just so grateful for their health. and our family. I mean, we have family game night. I swear, I think we're spending more time together than we've spent in the past five years. I mean, we dinner together every night. We're we're watching movies together. We're having these long philosophical conversations. Mm. It's been really good. And while he is, they both are disappointed in, in some of the things that they're missing. They're both athletes. They're terrific athletes. Uh, yeah. My daughter's missing her AAU basketball um, season. Yeah. Um, and he's, he missed his, you know, final track season, um, which is a, a real bummer. Yeah. I, I, it's been a blessing um, in, in a way that we we're able to spend this time together. And, and we're healthy because, mm-hmm. you know, you've got 115,000 Americans to date that died. Yeah. And um, knock on wood, like our family, we've had people in our family that did get COVID, um, but they've recovered. And mm-hmm. that's the blessing. Um, mm-hmm. And we've, we've had friends um, who, who have suffered tremendous loss and, and ha- have had death in their family. So we haven't been affected in that way. And, you know, they're they're safe and they're healthy. And so I think they're very grounded in that sense. Is he upset about virtual classes? Yes. I know. I know. (laughs) I, what a, you know what though? I woke up this morning for some reason. I was thinking about seniors this year and I was thinking about my senior year of high school and like my senior prom in particular. And I was like, 
that was an awful prom. Like, I, I was like, maybe, maybe people have been spared. They've been spared of the trauma and they only get to have the, the romanticized version of that. Well, Sunny, let me know what is, um, what's next for you? Where can we see you? Where can we find you? How do we know more of your stories? So many projects I'm working oh, no. on and I'm so excited. You know, I've got all my side hustles. I will be on the view um, for the foreseeable future. And I love doing that every day. I love sitting down with the ladies, even mm-hmm. though I'm doing it from my home. And um, I'm, I'm really enjoying doing that. And um, I think we're, we're getting at, you know, these important issues um, during what I think is an important time in our country. And yes, and we're seeing a seismic, seismic shift, I think, um, in terms of equality. Yeah, uh, especially for for African Americans. So I'm really excited about that. Um, I'm also my memoir comes out in September. And Yay! I'm super super excited about um, being able to tell these stories. The book is also coming out in Spanish because I'm fluent in Spanish as well, and that's something that um, Justice Sotomayor. I was um, uh, moderating a book discussion with her, and she pulled me to the side and she said. Uh, please make sure that you translate this book into Spanish um, yes. and go to Puerto Rico and make sure that you speak to people in Puerto Rico. And so during the pandemic, I may not be able to do that in September, but it is going to be translated into Spanish. So hopefully I'll be able to do a lot of that virtually. Mm-hmm. Um, my book, Summer on the Bluffs, was supposed to come out this June, but now it's coming out next June, but I'll have to send you, Kendra, a copy of it. So you have yeah. to, because it's done. So oh, it's done. It's done. Yeah, I, I, yeah, I, I wrote yeah. that already. I'm yeah, ready to yeah. On the second second book in the series, but um, send it to me. We'll talk about that after. Yes, I'm going to send that to you, and yeah. um, I'm really excited about that. And we're turning it into a television series. So more to, uh, and I'm going to be partnering with um, a really wonderful actress um, who has a production company and that that will be announced soon so i have oh i <laughs> it is who i think it is i will don't say because i will fall out of my chair right so now i'm excited but. about that amazing uh, i have a, a documentary um series that i'm working on um which i don't think i can announce but i am also working on that with um an oscar-winning actress and that will be um coming out so I'm very excited about that project, and that will be hopefully sometime in 2021. And I'm going to be working on a podcast as well. So um, those we are should. all some things I'm working on. <laughs> we should we should have spent more time. We should have spent this entire conversation. This sunny. How did she make it all happen? I think we're going to have well, to that's have the you thing. back. That's that's oh time management. I, I probably should sleep more, but uh, my mind is always working. Wow. You know, it's um, you know, you try to build these empires and and try to um, one of the, the one of my one of the things that I love so much is I'm finally able to employ other people. Yes. You know, that's pretty cool. Yes. It's pretty cool. And um, I, I'm able to do that now for the first time in my life. And I think mm-hmm. it's great. And yep. give people opportunity. And I, I really, I, I like it. I like it a lot. Well, and think so, about what that means generationally then exactly. for them. Exactly. The story continues. Well, Sunny, thank you so much for, for joining us here. You are an inspiration thank to me. You. We look forward to future success. Oh, thank you so much, Kendra. Thank you very much. We'll see you soon. 
If you enjoyed this conversation, look up an inch or down an inch and check out all of our previous discussions. You can find those at iTunes, Spotify, Overcast, Stitcher, or wherever finer podcasts are sold. And of course, check out the latest issue of Success Magazine by heading over to success.com slash subscribe and get more inspiring stories like this delivered right to your front door. Be sure to give us a review on Apple iTunes and you can find me at kindrahall.com or on Instagram at kindrahall. That is Kindra with an I. I can't wait to hear the stories you'll tell. Until next time. Until next time.